0: I mean, it's just, it's so fun for me because I'm always learning. It's sort of like online detective work and being able to provide good people quality leads to help their business feels so amazing.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern podcast where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash half hour intern. In today's episode, we speak with Brittany Muller, who is a SEO. Expert. And I am so, so excited that we got Brittany on the show to talk about search engine optimization. Um, there is truly like, I can't imagine that there is anybody in the world that knows more about this than her or that is cooler to talk about it with than Brittany is. I don't know if any of you listened to the marketing prodigy episode of Half Hour Interim with Brent Underwood. Um, ironically enough, that's actually how Brittany came across the show was by hearing that episode on Virgin Airlines. But that episode was very interesting for me because when I was speaking uh, with Brent over email beforehand, I was just thinking, this guy seems like a really nice guy, but it's gonna you know just an episode about marketing like what what can he really have to say sort of thing. Guys, like it blew my mind during that interview. Like I like couldn't believe how deep the rabbit hole goes in terms of what people are doing with marketing. And uh and this episode is no different. When I was talking to Brittany, I'm thinking like, okay, SEO like yeah, I should do an episode on this because it's so current and contemporary and thing it's something that people need to know about in terms of marketing and, and any small business owner or business owner in general should know about. Um little did I know how unbelievably freaking fascinating it was going to be. Like I was so interested the entire time that Brittany was speaking and I learned so, so, so much. So I'm not going to step on any of Brittany's awesome stories or the interesting things about SEO that she tells us and other online marketing. I will just uh, let this episode roll. All I can say is that if you do own your own business uh, or you have a website or anything like that, I would definitely get a pen handy and take tons and tons and tons of notes. Or uh, if you, you go to the half hour interim website, the post for this episode will have links to all of the different businesses and blogs and things like that, that she mentions throughout the episode. So you can check that later on. Um, and without further ado, here is SEO expert. This is not going to be in the interview, but, uh, just as an aside, how did you get into this by the way? Cause it's not really the type of thing that people try to get into. It's like the type of thing that people in the past, however many years just ended up getting into because it's yeah. like it became an industry. While wow, people had just gotten out of college and it's like, oh my God, people need people like me. You know, like anything yeah. social media related or stuff like that, it's like all of a sudden people are just have jobs like that, you know?
0: Totally. It's so funny how I got into it. So basically, I went to the University of Minnesota, got a degree in public relations, couldn't find a job after college and just decided to pack up my stuff and move to Breckenridge, Colorado to be a snowboard bum. Nice. So I was snowboarding every day and I got sick of waitressing. And so I started writing for a local realtor who sort of slowly started introducing me to the SEO world. And once I started figuring stuff out and figuring out that I can de- I can find how many people a month are searching ski in ski out peak 9 Breckenridge single family home, he started selling houses like crazy and I knew I was onto something. Mm. Uh, I also got in quite a bit of trouble early on with some very large brands where I would simply just want to rank, outrank them for silly things that they should definitely be ranking for. Uh, So that got some national attention and kind of linked me up with some of the heavy hitters in the SEO world pretty early on. No
1: way. So you were like self-taught and just figured all this shit (laughs) out. And then you made the news by like, fucking around. (laughs) You got (laughs) hired for like big name companies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I just got such a kick out of having this strange little online power of manipulating search. And I really love snowboarding. So one of my, you know, one of the things that I did was I had planned seven months in advance to rank number one for Burton US Open day of the event. And this was the first year that they had come to Vail. They're always on the East Coast. And so I had done All of this backlinking content. I had interviewed some friends of mine that were competing, so I had original stuff in there. And sure enough, day of the event, I ranked above Burton.com and I got a call from Burton's marketing team who understandably wasn't super happy with me. And they were really curious as to what why I was doing this and You know, I quickly explained it was completely innocent. This is sort of for my own kicks and giggles. I was happy to take down the site. And then I actually went and was able to meet with some of the Burton marketing team during the event, which was really fun. Um, This is
1: incredible. I can't (laughs) believe this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have have to
1: totally leave this in the interview, by the way. I figured this was going to be some sort of just like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. This is like the best story (laughs) for how this happened.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. I also hacked into different... Uh, big name analytic profiles because everyone was leaving their GA accounts kind of unsecured at the time. And granted, this was eight years ago, so it wasn't that difficult to do, but that definitely got attention as well. And then I was sort of just recruited by Rich Stats and Vail. He started a really cool agency called Secret Stash Media. And from there, him and I just sort of taught each other what we knew and had a blast doing this stuff. I mean, it's just it's so fun for me because I'm always learning. It's sort of like online detective work and being able to provide good people quality leads to help their business feels so amazing.
1: That's so crazy. I love all of this. I, I'm like so I, I like can't wait for the rest of the interview now. Like what a what a great intro story for how this happened. This is so awesome. I totally thought it was just going to be like, Oh, yeah, like, I, you know, worked for a so-and-so company, and they just said that they needed <laughs> yeah. some help, and I watched some yeah. YouTube videos, and I figured it out, and, like, that was that. I love that you hacked your way into these things. How did, like, it's, uh, like, I love the story of the whole Burton thing, because it's, like... uh it makes me think of like different movies, you know, where someone's like messing around with someone's internal stuff and then like the government is like <laughs> after them or whatever it is. I, yes. I I feel like Burton was like after you. Like, how did they even get your contact info and stuff to get you?
0: Yeah, so I was not shy about hiding who I was. It was my personal website that was ranking above them, so it was pretty easy for them to find my contact information and reach out to me that way.
1: So are you able to in some way quickly tell us how Th- how you got th- that one thing happened, like how you got the your website above theirs, or should we basically just dig into SEO as a whole right now and that'll help explain some of these things?
0: I'm happy to explain it, but I just think things have changed so much that it wouldn't really provide value to people who are trying to do that today, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: Totally, um, totally. Well, yeah, which yeah. is something we'll cover later on is like the ever-changing yeah. nature of all this.
0: Right, right.
1: But how did that go back then anyways? You might as well just tell us.
0: Yeah, so it was a whole bunch of stuff. I did some basic tiered link building, um, through a couple of different programs at the time that aren't really around right now. I also, I think I realized way back when that they were really slow on putting stuff together for the event on their website. So they didn't have an accurate schedule. They didn't have updated, uh, athlete profiles or bios or anything like that. And living in a ski town, ski industry is pretty small. And so I was, you know, luck lucky enough to know a handful of the top athletes and was able to do little interviews with them just in text form on my site and provide unique photos of the athletes and then provide the accurate schedule that was actually on a different website. It wasn't on Burton web- Burton's website at the time, and then really just tried to get targeted links from relevant sites. So I was actively targeting snowboards, ski sites that allowed comment links or any sort of link attribution. Um, yeah. And as I was going, I was just sort of measuring where I was at in the months ahead. So I kind of knew where I had to be day of the event mm-hmm. and then day of the event, I wanted to be sure to provide fresh content that very day on the event. So I actually got a press pass and <laughs> showed up really early and was posting pictures and unique stuff before burton.com was and sure enough everything just kind of came together.
1: It's so amazing <laughs> that you did all this for like no financial gain or anything. No. That you just did
0: all this no. just to mess around. <sighs> yeah, and I think you know before that I was just making up words all the time and I was just sort of playing this game with myself how fast can you get this to rank? How quickly can you get this to rank? And so I just I had a so much fun with it and to put it to Actual use in an event like Burton U.S. Open that I'm crazy about was just so fun for me.
1: <laughs> but, now, how long did that whole process take for that one?
0: Yeah, so it was really just sort of a hobby of mine. I wasn't working on this all the time, obviously, but I I would say that I was planning stuff at least seven or six months in advance. Wow! And then because you can't drop a bunch of links to a website in the weeks up to an event, um, I just wanted to be careful because I knew. That even back then, I mean, stuff like that can look really spammy yeah. and manipulative. And even though we were still bolding keywords at the time, how funny is that? Uh, yeah, I was just super careful about how I was going about it because it it was just kind of a giant chess game to me. And to be able to do that and say that I got it there was was just my end goal. I just thought it would be really, really funny and and. I would learn a lot, which I did. So
1: That's so awesome. So how (laughs) you were talking about um, commenting on other sites with links back to your site, that I assume is the type of thing that doesn't fly anymore, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't hold nearly as much weight. You still see it being done. And what's funny enough is it still works in specific industries. So unfortunately, things like law and real estate still benefit from Some comment links, but mostly what we consider to be tiered link building. So instead of pointing a bunch of links to your domain and kind of looking like an idiot and raising your arms to Google, people do it really quietly by creating these other websites and they'll push maybe 50 links to that site. But then to those 50 links, they push hundreds to those pages. And so it's literally a tree of links that go up the ladder to your website and send you all this domain authority. And if anything goes wrong, everyone keeps really good track of this and they just snip it at the source. So instantly you don't have any of that spam trailing your website and you're able to get out of, pe- of a penalty a little bit quicker.
1: Interesting. So what would a penalty yeah. be? Like, it's interesting you, you saying if anything goes wrong, like what could go wrong exactly?
0: Yeah. So Google will absolutely de-index your website, meaning that you cannot be found in search and businesses have crumbled because of this, you know, and it takes a long time to recover from certain penalties. Uh, it's gotten a lot quicker with some of the recent updates, but you still have to be so careful.
1: Damn. That's crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So let's take like 100 steps back right now and okay. start out where I was planning on starting the interview at, which is what is SEO? <laughs> it's like we've been yeah. talking about for so long now. Like, yeah. Obviously, everyone knows it's search engine optimization. Uh, you know a whole lot about it. So like, how would you define it exactly?
0: Yeah, I would define it as basically optimizing to increase your organic traffic to your website. And I didn't an even more professional level, your goal should be to increase your organic qualified traffic. So people that are ready to purchase for your specific website or ready to do the do the conversion that you would prefer. So for you it'd be listening to your podcast or downloading your podcast. Um, so really it's about increasing those qualified leads and not just traffic in general. And so that's something I like to really drive home with clients and when I talk to people about SEO, it's like, I, I, won't, I don't want to send a client a thousand people a month and have two people convert. I want to send them maybe 200 people a month and have 25 of those people convert. Right. So it's really about understanding how people are searching for things online. What terms are they using? Is there seasonal trends that you can take advantage of? Are there any sort of opportunity gaps between your competitors where you can really start to get quality traffic? Um, and then just providing a really solid user experience.
1: Hmm. So it's almost like two completely different jobs in one, like one job trying to find what sorts of people are qualified people. And then two is like the standard SEO piece of like, we need to uh, get our rank up on Google. We need to uh, get this in front of more people. Um, But it's like this whole separate job of even finding who these people are that we want to be in front of.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, there's so much more to it than even that. It's wild. As far as technical stuff, you need, to, you need to know basic HTML code to be able to update on-site stuff. You also should be able to have some server knowledge, all sorts of stuff. So a lot of things come into play to sort of make it all tick.
1: When you go on a website now, can you <laughs> tell pretty much right away if their SEO is good or not? And do you have to use, uh, like, can you tell just by like looking or do you have to look at their underlying code, which you can also do like on pretty much anyone's site uh, to know whether or not their SEO is good or not?
0: Yeah. So it's funny. The first thing I do, and I did this to your site is I just go to Google and I put in site colon half hour intern.com, no spaces. And it provides me the 239 index pages that Google has for your website. So it's a really good overview as to how many pages you have indexed, how your titles are written, if you've optimized for meta descriptions, what your URL structure looks like. So that's a really big, just plain overview. From there, I would go to your homepage, inspect the element, and sort of see what's going on under the hood. You can also use tools like builtwith.com, which provides all sorts of information behind your site as to... What CMS you're using, what kind of analytics you have, if you're using any different plugins, the type of server that you're on, and that's a completely free tool. So that right there will give me a really good idea as to whether or not someone has had SEO work done. And then tools like Open Site Explorer on Moz will kind of open a whole new can of worms as far as what your backlink profile looks like. So a lot of people... Might have spammy SEO work done in the past, and you look at their backlink profile, and it's not great, and it could hurt them in the future, sort of a thing. So you want to be aware of all of these things.
1: What is a what is that? What is a backlink? Like you, you've used that term so many times. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I guess I should first clarify that. So the way Google indexes and ranks pages is based on over two hundred ranking factors, but we we've known for a long time that there are two major factors that come into play over any of the others, and they've continued to stay this way. And that's links. So links pointing to your website. They act as sort of this third-party credibility voucher for your popularity and your authority. Uh, It's a lot like real life. So if you went on a vacation with your wife to a tropical island that had no internet or anything, and you ran into three different people all disconnected from one another, maybe in different locations, and you asked where the best coffee was on the island. And if they all said Joe's coffee on the street, after you hear that for the maybe three out of four times, you would start to think, oh, okay, they probably, you know, Joe's coffee must be pretty good. It's just like that digitally. And so Google decides, okay, they have a link from CNN, Huffington Post, maybe they have this link from years ago. And that all comes into play into what's called your domain authority. And your domain authority is a score from 1 to 100, 100 being the most authoritative site on the web. I think Wikipedia is 99 or something really high. So you want to have a really strong but natural backlink profile. So you wouldn't want to have a bunch of spammy links pointing to your site, or you wouldn't want to have 100 links pointing to your site with the anchor link text Best podcast ever. <laughs> that would look really spammy. You know, it should be half hour intern and marketing podcasts, and it should just have natural anchor link text. And the best way to get those backlinks is just by doing a really good job on your site with content, with podcasts, create things that people want to link to, and those things should happen naturally.
1: So if I have people coming on my show and uh, so like a- after this interview, for instance, so your interview is going to come out sometime in the next couple weeks. So let's say you post a link to your interview on your personal website and yes. that post says something like, I was on the half hour intern podcast, like fun times, whatever. Uh, is that helping me or-, or hurting me? That's helping me, right?
0: That's definitely helping you.
1: What yep. could be hurting me? Like, I-, I guess anyone that I've interviewed, could their link be hurting me just because they yes. wrote the title the wrong way or something?
0: No, absolutely not. This it would have to be intentional. So it would have to be you hiring a really crappy SEO that doesn't know what they're doing, and they're basically purchasing backlinks or creating backlinks from uh, private link networks. So PLNs are also just a bunch of spammy links working together to boost domain authority on websites. But you really don't have anything to worry about, and. If you have any concerns that you might have some spammy backlinks, you definitely just want to make sure that you have your site verified with Google Search Console. So with that verification, you should get any notices if Google starts to pick up on really spammy links or if they're, you know, sending you a penalty, they they would try to let you know so that you could address that.
1: Okay, right, right. Yeah, I do have that set up, I think. Could you maybe give us an example? Uh, if you could use my site, that would be awesome. Or if you want to use like a bigger site that that like everyone listening will know of things on the site that interact with SEO in some way. And like when you pull up someone's homepage and yeah. you inspect Element to be able to look at that site, uh, yeah. what are the, like like I guess go through a few different pages and things that can be on a page and how they are going to interact with Google.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a really good question. So uh, I use the Moz bar not just because I work at Moz, but because it's a free Chrome plugin add on to your browser. And so if you activate that, you can see all sorts of things when you're on a website, you can see the domain authority, the page authority, how they've marked up their homepage, um, if they have schema markup, if they have Twitter card optimized, all sorts of stuff. But essentially, so what I did with your site was I did that site colon half hour intern, got kind of an idea of your folder structure, how things were optimized. And then I noticed you're, you have an SSL certificate, which means you're on HTTPS, which is really good because we see that Google is up to 50% of first page search results are HTTPS. They want to send users to safe sites. Hmm. That's, It's basically just a secure website. So you can't make payments through a non-HTTPS domain, for example, or you shouldn't, right? Right. Um, So that that was really good. I noticed that right away. I noticed that your titles are kind of optimized. So sometimes it says half-hour intern and sometimes it says half-hour intern podcast. And I know that you providing this really awesome podcast and this platform for people to share their experiences, it w- might be helpful to include that you are a podcast a little bit more just c- to kind of solidify that. But honestly, Google's getting so much better at keyword relevance and at understanding what your site's about um, that I wouldn't worry all that much about optimizing those titles quite like that. Um, I noticed you have schema markup, which is great. You're on Squarespace, which isn't so great, which what we can is- talk
1: about. Yeah. First of all, what is schema markup? And then, yeah, I want to talk about the Squarespace thing in depth.
0: Yeah. So schema.org is basically metadata markup. And you're essentially spoon feeding search engines what your web page business recipe event is about. And so if you search anything recipe in Google, you'll see those recipe cards. And all of those pages very likely have schema.org recipe markup. Um, So it's just kind of a good, solid way to ensure that Google crawlers, so they've got these crawlers that will come to your site and crawl to try to understand what your content is about, to make sure that they understand and have what you're trying to do and what your business is about and the content you provide kind of tucked into their index so that your pages will be provided upon relevant searches. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I saw for you as far as SEO and just optimizing your site in general is your images are huge. So that's a really big issue with speed. And we know that everyone's super impatient with web pages to load and Google takes into consideration. um, I don't know if they've explicitly said that they take speed into consideration, but we know that they do take engagement metrics into consideration? Meaning that, let's say I do a search for a podcast and you show up next to your competitor and search. If I click on your website and I decide that's not what I'm looking for and I hit back and I click your competitor, that's considered a pogo stick. It's not a great engagement signal for you. Mm. So you want to work really hard to provide a really sticky, valuable user experience for people that do come to your site so that Google sees that, you are fulfilling these content pieces or answers for people that that different people are searching for. Um, So that might equate to time on site, number of pages, you name it. So having good engagement metrics is really important too. But the large images is such an easy fix because there's free tools like OptimizeZilla.com. And you can literally go there and bulk upload all of your large images. So you have all those really cool thumbnail images for your podcasts. You could upload all of those into OptimizeZilla. And I'm seeing right now that you can optimize the one with the Arizona and the title up to 98% compression than what it currently is.
1: Damn, that's Which, crazy.
0: Yeah. So it would help your, your load time dramatically. And it would send really quality signals to, to Google.
1: That's so interesting. So, all right. So now let's jump into the Squarespace part and like small businesses versus big businesses and stuff like that. Because um, with Squarespace, like when you upload photo, and I guess it must be talking about it in a in a somewhat different way. Is it just says like you know we'll optimize this for people's browsers. We'll optimize it like size wise, this and that. They must just mean whether or not someone's opening it on a phone or a tablet or whatever. But if someone's opening it on a Full blown computer then i guess it's still just gonna be the largest like i mean i guess close to the same file size that you opened i i basically just always assumed that squarespace was taking care of it for me um yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this a little bit uh so my website is is with squarespace um there are obviously several other hosting platforms that people can use to make websites so people like me that don't know anything about coding and that are a little like small startup business that doesn't have the funds, or maybe they just don't even want to uh, pay like an engineer to make a website for them, they're pretty much obviously going to go to something like Squarespace. To what extent is that hurting them in the realms of being able to uh, optimize their website for SEO?
0: Yeah, such a good question. So I think Squarespace has probably come a long way since since they came out, but it, you're still just, you're so limited as to what you can optimize. Uh, to my knowledge, they don't provide a whole lot of back end access to your pages or to your files. And so I think if you ask majority of SEOs who do professional work, they would suggest WordPress. So Again, you don't you really don't have to get a custom website and a custom developer. There's tons of plugins that can do some of the heavy lifting for you, but you should you should be able to access basic things to optimize your site. You should have full control over your image titles, your alt text, your meta descriptions, your title tags, any 301 redirects should be, you know, properly done. Um, and I just know that WordPress is sort of the go-to CMS for SEO and for lots of sites in general, uh, just because they provide so many different plugins to kind of keep an eye on all that. Interesting.
1: So what are the, I guess, key things that, I mean, I know you just like went over them very quickly, but, uh, if you could just go in a little bit more detail of some of the key things that somebody with a website on something like Squarespace, uh, would not be able to do that somebody that had full control over their website would be able to do?
0: Yeah. And I wish I had a Squarespace site in front of me because it has been... I haven't worked in Squarespace for a while. I remember checking it out maybe a year ago to see where they were at with things. So I can't say with complete certainty. However, I I travel and do conferences all the time. And it is sort of this consensus that... You just don't have as much control over the back-end stuff. And so what's interesting, though, is that you've managed to get schema markup, OG protocol, which is Facebook markup, and Twitter card markup. So essentially, it seems like they probably have gotten a lot better. Uh, But to the extent in which that can kind of go into even your robot or your meta robots tag, which you don't have. And I don't know if you could use a robots meta tag because I don't think that you have full access to your files in your website, if that makes sense. So a robots meta tag, for example, is up in the header of your website, and it basically tells robots, index this page, follow all the links, or... No index, no follow, which means don't index this page and don't follow any of these links. So you sort of have a little bit more control over what you want to get indexed, how you want to get indexed, and how you're controlling those crawlers that come to your site to do all of the SEO crawling work. Hmm. Yeah. Man,
1: this is all so deep and so (laughs) so interesting.
0: (laughs) Weird stuff, but... Um, and I guess you know, at the end of the day, all of the stuff aside, what it boils down to is, are you getting qualified leads? You know, and you you can see that sort of stuff in your analytics. So it might not matter if you're on Squarespace over WordPress if you have it optimized enough into a point where you are attracting that qualified traffic that seems to be converting okay. So it really it really just depends on those conversions. And I guess if you're not able to convert at a percentage that you would like to business-wise, you could maybe experiment with something like WordPress, or it might not even matter for what you may be doing. And if maybe it's just easier for you to do the kind of plug and play Squarespace platform. It really just depends on what your end goal is.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Now, how would you analyze like so something like a Squarespace has a ton of different analytics. Um obviously, if you were not on Squarespace, you could I'm sure use a trillion different programs to analyze things on your website. How would you analyze whether or not you were getting qualified traffic?
0: Like yes. What are the th-
1: what are the things you like to look at, I guess?
0: Definitely. So it really comes down to your your primary KPIs. And so that can be a little bit harder to measure in something like Google Analytics. So I I would like to set up event and goal tracking in Google Analytics for clients. Uh, Specifically, when I was working with a ton of medical companies in the past, we would set up really specific contact us goals within their website. And that is how we really measured the quality of traffic that they were getting from googled they were getting from slideshare and youtube and you can really start to polish your digital marketing strategy by keeping a really close eye on the quality of traffic that you're acquiring from these different sources if you're i know podcasts are a lot harder to track and what's, what I've always kind of kept in my back pocket for stuff like this is Lucky Orange. So Lucky Orange is a really cool tool. I have no stock invested in them. I'm just a huge fan. But they essentially provide you live views on what people are doing on your site. And it gives you more information about how users are actually using your site than any sort of analytics can to some extent. So a great example I like to use is I spent almost a year perfecting this medical website for elective surgeries. And we did all sorts of split A-B testing. We tested the colors. We knew that white, clean textured background evoked honesty, sterileness, and trust. We knew Helvetica was the most trustworthy font. We had picked these really strong strategic call to actions to help people's eyes click on contact us, all this stuff. I thought it was perfect. And so the night I launched it, I remember I had Lucky Orange activated. And when someone comes to your site, it kind of sounds like a doorknob. And so I think it was two in the morning and I hear this little doorknob thing. I run to my computer and I saw it was a, I believe it was a mid thirties male from Galveston, Texas on his iPhone in Safari. And that's sort of the overview information you get. You do get demographic information, You obviously don't get names or anything like that, but I'm watching him scroll down the homepage and he's reading and he's doing everything, you know, we sort of wanted and I'm getting really excited. And then he gets to the footer and he sees the address and he clicks the address. You hear like the click on this platform, it's click, 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 click. He just kept clicking because he expected it to open up in maps, which I had never thought to even connect. Right. And I just wanted to, you know, put my head through a wall. I felt so dumb. I was like, of course, why wouldn't I do that? But it's without testing like that where you would never notice little things like that that users come across and they struggle with. And that's why, you know, the intuitive interface, the user experience is so, so important. You're, you never notice a good website because you find what you need right away. You yeah. always notice those kind of shitty websites where you can't find what you're looking for and you're all over the place. And so it really comes down to understanding your users, understanding what it is that they're looking for and how they want it delivered.
1: Man, that is, uh, that is so interesting. So how... First of all, I guess, how are you trying to understand your users? Let's start there.
0: Yeah, so this might be my favorite my favorite thing of all because it's really like digital psychology. And so I always start out with keyword research. So basic keyword research allows you to sort of deep dive into how people are searching for your product or services. And with medical, it was just fascinating. Because there was all sorts of opportunity gaps that me and my team would come across for our medical clients. Um, A really funny example is an MRI company that wanted us to do basic keyword research for their new website. And so we were going to help them plan a really clean, intuitive navigation. But what we came across was that hundreds of people a month were searching open versus closed MRIs. And when I did a search for it, no one was providing information. There there wasn't any photos, there wasn't any information. I mean, literally nothing available. And I brought it up a couple of times to the two founders and was finally able to persuade them to let us just put this page together for free. I wanted to see how it would do. Four years later, they get over double their traffic to that page than they do their homepage. And I think it's sent That's them incredible. over... Yeah. And it sent them over 70,000 unique visitors. Holy and it crap. Just, yeah. And it's so funny because it was just a little, I consider them opportunity gaps, like keyword opportunity gaps where no one else in the marketplace is fulfilling the answers or the information. And there are these gaps in every single industry. I know. How
1: it, are you finding those?
0: Um, so at the time I was using Google Keyword Planner, but we got a lot of a lot more information back then on Google Keyword Planner, and now they bucket search volume, they also change your queries, they lump stuff together, so it's a little bit harder now. So I am using Moz Keyword Explorer a lot more just to get more specific data on the organic metrics. So what I used to do was rely on Google Keyword Planner to give me competition metrics, which I understand is PPC. So they're providing low, medium, high PPC competition, but... What are,
1: I'm sorry, PPC?
0: Like pay-per-click. So for their online advertising platform. And it can sometimes tell you a little bit about what maybe the organic is doing. Not always. So you do have to be careful because it's not one in the same. But I used to rely on that and whether or not anyone was bidding on different keywords. And you really just have to get the long tail dialed in. So what a lot of people don't understand is that there's this sort of long tail in search. So if you imagine um, a graph, and it starts out really, really high, and on your left side, you have number of searches a month. And so you can imagine things like shoes get millions of searches a month. So it starts out really, really high. And then as these keywords get more specific, the search volume drops down, it gets a little bit lower into sort of that stretched out L. And those are considered long tail keywords. So where shoes might be getting a million searches a month, but people are just browsing. Someone might be searching women's size seven red Nike running shoes, really specific long tail, easy to rank for because it's so specific, not very competitive and someone's ready to purchase. That's how Amazon has completely taken over the marketplace because they've captured all of these specific long tail searches of people ready to purchase and searching very specifically for things. You can do the same thing for any industry. So it obviously starts out with really broad keywords, but what are the questions people are asking? What are the more specific things that don't have as much search volume, but that could bring really qualified traffic to your site? And that those are the things that I just, I love finding stuff like that.
1: Right, so to bring it back to the medical example with the MRI, yes. did, yeah. did you... Once you made that post on their website with what you say, like inside versus outside MRI or something like that?
0: Open versus closed. Open versus closed. So
1: once you did that, were you, uh, did you make an advertisement? Like, did you buy a Google ad for that to for sure place it? Or was it like, look, we're the only ones with the post like this. So of course it's going to come up first.
0: It ranked right away just because no one was doing it. And I really don't have a whole lot of experience with PPC just because I see what organic can do and I see what organic can do over time. So work that I've done years and years ago has just continued to snowball similar to this open versus closed MRI page. And that is when you can feel really, really good about your work. You know, another kind of funny example is in the plastic surgery space, which my company couldn't stay within for very long. It was sort of a hard space to feel good about, I guess, which is a whole nother another can of worms. But we, we discovered that when people, right before someone schedules a consultation for an elective surgery, they only search for two things. They search for the procedure they're looking for in price and the procedure they're looking for in before and after photos. We simply optimized for those two things for several of our elective surgery clients and their consults went through the roof. So it's really about working smarter and not harder and finding those those long tail ready to purchase, ready to convert leads.
1: Yeah. Man, Yeah. so interesting. So yeah. how much different can things be for a website after doing uh, some... Basic, like let's say a website has done nothing so far for SEO intentionally. They've never done any sort of A B testing, anything like that. They just make a website. Yeah. Let's say they write a blog or something. How different can things be for said blog after they do some SEO stuff and after they do some A B testing on their site?
0: Yeah, I think dramatically. Um, and it really, I guess it just depends industry to industry, but. It really comes down to understanding what people are looking for in regards to how what you're providing, and then capturing that traffic. So there's all sorts of great articles out there on this stuff. Um, Glenn Asop, I think I can't, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. Viper Chill on Twitter has so many incredible posts about doing stuff like that that you wouldn't believe. So um it really is just about optimizing things strategically but at a more fundamental level just providing the things that people are looking for and providing those answers cuz if you're not going to provide those answers or that information google or your competitors will and that's sort of the scary next step is we see google providing all of these answers right now and so there's a huge rise in no click searches so for example if any weather related search is up to seventy eight percent no click because Google just shows you that weather, right? Right, and they're continuing to do this with all sorts of featured snippets. So it's really about trying to find opportunities to to provide to provide content in the best consumable way possible.
1: Do you think that that's the single best way to get people to your way? like you mentioned links being the most important thing uh, in yeah. terms of how Google is going to rank you? Do you think, in terms of just getting people to your site, that that is the best thing you could spend your time doing? Is finding out what people are searching for, where there are gaps, like you know, there's really there's a lot of people searching for this, but nobody is writing articles on this or anything. Um, And then you write an article about that thing. Is that like the quickest, easiest, best way to move the needle for your website?
0: I think so. So yeah, so the two biggest factors are links and on-site content. So you really do want to be providing the most valuable content. And even if you don't have a technical background and you don't feel comfortable doing any kind of keyword research, you know your business better than anyone. So what are those frequently asked questions? How can you provide those on your site and help people get the information quicker? Um, And then from that, it's really about just providing way better content than your competitors. And something that I like to do to sort of ramp things up on maybe a really small business's site is take a look at their analytics and see what their top performing pages are. So maybe you have three really, really high performing pages on your site that everyone goes to when they get to your site. Why not take that content and refurbish it into a slideshare on slideshare.com? And then that will link back to your site. And so now you're opening up a whole new acquisition funnel on SlideShare. You can then take that SlideShare, add music to it and some audio of what, because you always want to have audio with different YouTube videos because they listen to that, but uh, then upload it to YouTube and see how well that does. You know, Or you can even refurbish a whole different video for what your, what the content piece was. And it can just go on. So I think refurbishing content on platforms like SlideShare, YouTube, Quora even, providing answers there and then getting links back to your site that way can be extremely, extremely powerful.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So are there types of businesses that SEO works much better for than others? uh, Whether that be the size of a company? like, Is there a particular size of company that SEO works best for? Uh, Different... uh, Types of companies, like what they do, um, whether they have physical goods that they're selling or if they're a service? And then are there types of businesses that SEO does? Uh, I guess the flip of what I can't remember how I started that question if I said it, that it doesn't <laughs> work for, but so ones that it does work for and ones that it doesn't work for. Like who does it work best for? Who does it work worst for?
0: Yeah. So I think anyone that's able to generate leads, clients, Purchases via online traffic can benefit from doing SEO and doing SEO well. There are still industries like, you know, steel where they still, you have to go and evaluate different steel things or, you know, some of, some of those sort of more archaic industries that haven't kind of come to, to websites yet and don't get their purchases that way aren't going to benefit from it. Maybe they'll benefit from, people finding them in maps or something, but likely industry individuals already know where they're located. So it really boils down to whether or not you're going to gain something from pulling people online for the things that you serve or provide. And then from there, it really is just doing SEO well. I wouldn't say there's a big difference between large or small businesses. It does get different Industry to industry. So, real estate still has really spammy sites. So, in order to even be competitive, you still have to almost play a little bit dirty, which is unfortunate. Google has yet to clean up that space. Hmm. Same with law. You're able to still manipulate law SEO and law traffic. Um, There's a really cool post on that on the Moz blog a couple weeks ago. Um, But, super interesting stuff to be aware of. It's a lot harder to game. Other industries like software, you know, or something that Google has really sort of tried really hard to clean up with all these recent algorithms, and they're just going to get better. So, at the end of the day, Google makes their money from advertisers, and they want more people on Google, and they want you to come back to Google by providing you the best user experience and providing you the answer you want. That fulfills your question immediately so they are going to figure out which sites provide that best content and serve them up over time whether or not you're optimized in five years or whether or not you're doing all these other things they genuinely want to provide the best stuff for searchers
1: yeah for sure so let's talk about that portion of your job uh as google like you mentioned that google is constantly cleaning these things up and stuff so um as you mentioned The story that you told at the top of the show of uh, of what you did to get ranked for that Burton snowboard (laughs) competition, saying that that would not be able to happen today. So Google changes things pretty quickly. Uh, First of all, how quickly exactly? Like how often is Google making major changes to uh, what allows things to rank and like how much uh, weight something carries, and how do you keep up with all these things?
0: Yeah. So. I primarily keep up with it um, by industry influencers, primarily on Twitter. So I follow a lot of sort of the leading search news people and uh, front-facing Google representatives. And so I sort of keep an eye on stuff that way. But Google's making updates every single day. We just aren't aware of it because we don't see huge fluctuations in search results until maybe a bigger push comes through like Fred a couple weeks ago that focused on really thin content. So that will sort of set off our different tests and we'll know that something bigger is going on. But honestly, it's gotten to a point where now they've factored in rank brain, which is machine learning program, part of their algorithm that is now just getting better and better over time to a point where we don't think that Google engineers are fully aware of what it's doing. So with that said, yeah. With that said, you really, you really just want to provide the best content. You want to satisfy users when they get to your website and do all of those key things so that you're, you're the industry leader. You're the authoritative source. So quality on-site content that naturally gains links is the number one way to do that.
1: Okay. And mm-hmm. what do you think... I mean, you just kind of touched on it a bit, but what do you think the future of SEO is going to be?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. Something I'm so fascinated with just because we see the rise in SERP features. So anytime you hear SERP features, it just stands for search engine result page. And now we're seeing things like featured snippets, which is considered a SERP feature, and it's that answer box. So you might ask how tall someone is and it just pops up that answer in the box.
1: Yeah, or like the other night I was making some hummus and I was like, what's that hummus yes! recipe again? And I just typed in hummus recipe and boom, it was oh right
0: my there. gosh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's so wild. So those are continuing to rise. And what's fascinating is that that is the single answer for any given voice search. So you want to keep an eye on what featured snippets are in your space. And evaluate how you can sort of gain that that top spot. Um, And there's a lot of ways to do it. And the the best way to do it is to just evaluate what's currently ranking for that top box. And so look at the page, look at how they've marked it up, you know, what what are they saying? How can you provide it better? What image are they pulling for it? How can you provide a better image than that? All that stuff. So you want to really try to be competitive with those featured snippets, you also wanna keep an eye on things like people also ask boxes. So those are sort of those cascading boxes and search mm, results. Yeah. So Yeah, it says this person also asked this and you click on it and down comes the answer and cites the link that it's pulling from. And what's crazy about those is that one PAA box can be found on over 21 different search results. So, you cover major real estate in gaining those people also ask boxes, and the best way to do that is i've always said you've got to you know give time and energy to an FAq page is one of sort of the easiest ways to gain that simple question and answer um, or just be aware of them and optimize them for on site stuff but
1: right having like a one to two sentence answer to yes. a common question
0: yes, exactly, and whether or not you know, maybe you're answering people and they don't click through to your site, which is a huge bummer. You can do, you know, you can either lengthen it. So i see a lot of people lengthening their answer so that you don't really get the whole thing and you have to click through to their site, which is smart. Or you just kind of take it with a grain of salt and consider it as branding. So the next time someone's looking for something, they're going to recognize your website. They're going to recognize your brand. Um, But those are going to continue to rise and get more interactive. Google's going to be providing more information about local businesses. We already see them asking, does this business have gender neutral bathrooms, which is crazy, you know, and they're, they want all this information. And so they're essentially going to start providing us answers before we ask the questions. That's their goal. And they're, I mean, they're getting there, right? They're listening to us every day. Uh, Google Home is constantly listening to us they read emails, they're fully aware of what we have going on, and they want to provide that information before we need it. And it sounds like they're going to start to do that on a device basis. So it's safer for us. So instead of cloud hosting all this crazy information about us, which likely might be happening anyways, they are going to house it on sort of your own personal artificial intelligence device. So, you know, my pixel might start to do this automatically based on how I'm using it, the things I'm searching for, what I'm talking about with my friends, all that stuff.
1: Britt, you are making me want to throw my computer (laughs) on the ground right now and go and live in the woods. Uh, This is some scary (laughs) stuff.
0: It is scary. It is scary. And the machine learning aspect of it gets even scarier. Um, But yeah, I mean, you really just want to want to be the authoritative expert in your space
1: now the people also ask and then these snippets on the side um how is that in term if you manage to be able to get like that uh, like best of real estate basically how is that also helping out in terms of your website's authority so like if i were to get a uh, huffington post to link to me that helps out a lot because huffington post has a lot of authority so it's way better than just like somebody's blog linking to me um right. if google Puts me in a people also ask box, or if they put me on their little snippet on the side, uh, is that like as good as it gets? Like just being one of the already answers? Is Google taking that into account right now?
0: Um, so I don't believe so. I believe that's sort of you got to where you were hoping to get to with the links, with the content, with your on-site optimization.
1: Okay, that's not going to further make you even higher and even better.
0: No, no, I don't think so. And I think if anything you know they're just going to continue to to test that so let's say you do get one of those spots you'll notice that if you search on different devices at different locations they're slightly tweaking it so you'll often see them providing a featured snippet and changing out the image on um, so i'm i'm vpn from maybe seattle and then my other computer is from denver and i do the same search and they're just constantly testing it's all automated it's all machine learning and they once they reach statistical significance they're going to implement this for a while right or however long until they see people clicking on other things and hanging out a little bit longer so it really is just going to get smarter and smarter and smarter
1: man Britt, it's so funny one (laughs) of the questions that i had written in here to ask you is about if seo was boring and i feel like that's like the dumbest question ever right now like it's the least boring thing in the world
0: I know. I uh, yeah. It's never boring. It's just it's so interesting and fun. I think if you're a tinkerer like I am, there's just never a dull moment, and you're there's always things to be tested. There's always things to go after. There all there are always things to fix on a site, and it sort of makes you crazy. You know, there's your job is never really done as an SEO. Yeah, your, your job is to like kind of just keep your head above water and to work smarter rather than harder. So what? what fixes can you do today that would provide the most value to the site tomorrow in the next couple of weeks? Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really fascinating industry and I'm excited to just see it evolve. And, you know, we're going to be doing SEO for virtual reality soon, which will be hilarious.
1: Cannot wait. (laughs) Uh, so I would love to know, uh, we'll start to wind this thing down here. If, um, if you are a small business owner, uh, particularly if you are solo like I am, and therefore your time is spread amongst absolutely everything, even if you're only a blogger and you're just doing your blog on the side or whatever it is, how much time would you spend on this? If this is currently something that you spend absolutely no time on and you're already working like full time, so you're thinking like, okay, that means I have to basically take time away from something else in order to be doing this, how much time would you be taking away to be working on SEO-related things? And if uh, if you feel like answering this part of the question as well, like what would you be willing to take time away from and to do this instead?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I think this should be somewhat synonymous with your marketing efforts and really getting people through the door or converting people with your business in general. And so... I realized, you know, I myself was a small business owner and I was the plumber with the leaky faucet. I never optimized my own site and all of my business was word of mouth, which is super weird. But it's incredible to see what a little bit of SEO knowledge and a little bit of optimization can do for really small businesses and small companies. If you don't have the bandwidth and you don't have the interest, I would say just to hire out a consultant to even just advise you on the things that you should be looking at and changing. There's also so many really great tools that will audit your site for you and just show you the the things that can be changed to really help out your site. So different things like that are definitely available. And I think as a small business owner, your job should be to focus on providing the best experience for your customers whether that's online or offline, just understanding what that is, understanding what they're seeking. And then when you have time to try to make that implemented within your digital marketing efforts. Right. Um, Because honestly, Google is going to get a lot better. So we might not even be talking about title tags and meta descriptions in three years. It might just be they've gotten so good at figuring out what you're doing on your site and how you're providing information and how satisfied customers are on or off your site, they're going to start to know all that stuff. Right. So it's, yeah, it's going to be really, really fascinating. But I I love to tell business owners, you know, this isn't your job. And I hate talking about this and hearing people feel like they're not adequate or, you know, they just aren't catching on or they don't know enough. It's like, that's not it at all. This is not your job. You wouldn't be good as a, you wouldn't be a good business owner if this was what you were also working on right? So I think stay in tuned with the things that you do really, really well as a business owner, as a professional, as an expert in your field, and then figure out ways to carve out little bits of time to implement that on your site. You're likely providing expertise all day long off-site. How can you provide some of that content and information, whether it's video or audio or content on your site, and just trying to make time for it? Because at the end of the day, just a tiny bit of on-site content can go so incredibly far for small businesses.
1: Right now, I yeah. will be putting links to like everything that we've discussed on the uh, post for this on half-hour intern. But what are you just mentioned that there are some uh, like programs or sites that you can use to basically analyze your own site and analyze areas that you're kind of blowing it? Uh, what yes. would those be?
0: Yeah, so Raven Tools came out with a really cool site auditor last year that I believe is still doing awesome. Uh, Moz.com offers site audits, and you can do a a free 30-day trial with Moz.com and just basically evaluate your audit and see the things you need to change. If you're a little bit more technical and you can handle um, a little bit more archaic interface, you could do something like Screaming Frog, which is really great, and it just It basically crawls the entire website and gives you all these different reports, and you can view stuff that way. Similarly, there's a website called Deep Crawl, which does this kind of uh, similar stuff to Screaming Frog, where it does try to crawl all your pages and provide those issues as well. I just think Raven Tools and Moz try to be a little bit more user-friendly as far as what these things are and how you can do it. but if you have a little bit of knowledge, you can go ahead and use tools like Screaming Frog and Deep Crawl.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. And if we were to get somebody to help us out with this um, rather than do it ourselves, how much would we be looking at spending um, to hire like a freelance person to help out with this? And, yeah. what for, and also, would you even recommend that? Because it sounds like there are it's such like a wide range of knowledge that people have in these things. And it's like, if I were to hire someone, it's like, I would want to hire someone like you. I wouldn't want to like to hire some guy that gives me all these like spammy ass links that (laughs) ends up like coming back to bite (laughs) me in the ass one day. So
0: right, right. Yeah, you definitely have to be careful. Um, I know there's a couple good resources on the Moz blog for how to hire a freelance SEO, whether or not you should hire an SEO or an agency to help you out. The average rates for that, which are kind of all over the board depending on who you come across. Um, so it, you know, it depends on how long they've been doing it, their expertise in your field. I would always suggest trying to find an SEO or a digital marketer that has experience in your industry. Because hopefully they've developed skill sets and an understanding of your target market that, that would just help propel you a little bit quicker. Mm. Because I think the biggest cost and the heaviest lifting for initial SEO work is that research. So being able to sort of speed through that process and just be able to implement things on your site a little bit quicker, you should look for someone in your industry, but I mean hourly rates can range anywhere from $150 for sort of, you know, a newer SEO to I know individuals that charge over $800 an hour. Okay. Which, so it really depends on who you're looking to hire, their skill sets. Um, and honestly, just a tiny bit of knowledge on your part as a business owner will go a really long way as well. So I'm, I'm in the process of actually updating the beginner's guide to SEO on Moz, which is so funny because it's kind of what I cut my teeth on back in the day and it's pretty outdated, but a lot of the key things still work. Uh, If you want to look at it now but we are in the process of updating that so guides like that are also really helpful to just get a basic understanding so no one's a pulling the wool over your eyes or b trying to talk you into a contract or a situation that isn't going to help you at all
1: okay that's a lot you want to do that was going to be my next question like any other if we are going to do it ourselves any tools that we can uh go to ahead of time just to feel like we have a little bit of better of an understanding what we're getting ourselves into you mentioned uh, like that Viper Chill blog. Um, yeah. This... So
0: that, yeah. The Viper Chill is a little bit more advanced, crazier SEO tactics that are just fascinating. But yeah, I think things like moz.com, I mean, our blog provides really, really good content. Our competitors also provide really great content. Uh, SEM Rush provides really good stuff on their blog. Uh, Ahrefs does some really neat stuff. And to just kind of, those those are the those are kind of good websites to go to get an understanding of your basic SEO.
1: In most places like this, we'll have uh, like a post at some point in time that was like a beginner's guide to SEO type of thing.
0: Yes, exactly. I'm trying to think, yeah. So there's resources all over online, um, and honestly, Google's done a pretty good job at ranking. The ones that deserve to rank in my opinion. So, you know, Brian Dean has done a lot of great YouTube SEO videos. You see John Cooper killing it with, with his stuff and his blogs. Um, yeah. So I think just to, to kind of do your basic research, I wish I, I need to have just like a resource page somewhere where I can reference a bunch of different quality, quality resources.
1: Well, I'll make a bunch of resources yeah. <laughs> off of this and so yeah, I can maybe- copy and paste it to you afterwards.
0: <laughs> Deal. And maybe I'll I'll go dig up some some ones that I think are...
1: Yeah, email me anything else that comes okay. up. Um, I can definitely do that. And so how long... Let's say we decide to start tackling some of the more pressing and, and basic things that we can. Um, like, let's say, maybe finding some areas that we can... Uh, make some posts on our blog that should help hopefully draw some traffic of things that are being searched in our uh, industry. Uh, We maybe make some changes to like how we're titling our photos. We try to get some like a few more links to our website. How long before we see the results of these things? Am I to expect that like I should be getting much more traffic within a matter of weeks? Or is this like next this time next year, I should look at my traffic?
0: Yeah. So the standard SEO answer is around three months. However, there are ways to sort of speed it up. So let's say you make a big change and you want it to get indexed quickly. You can use something like Google Search Console to request a fetch and render of your page and then submit it to the index. Uh, Google also recently activated this feature within search where if you just Google, add this URL to Google, it provides a featured snippet for you to do just that. And so that is basically serving up your information to Google right away and saying, hey, crawl this page, it's new, or I want it indexed, so that you don't have to wait around for a couple of days to Google crawl, to have them crawl your site again. Um, So things like that will speed it up a little bit. But overall, I think it's still pretty standard to say, you know, you want to fire up a bunch of fixes and move your efforts forward, but to be patient and understand that, you know, around three months is generally where things will start to kind of pick up and provide value for you. Okay, cool.
1: And uh, I mean, this entire thing has been nothing but advice. But is there any like closing advice that you would like to uh, offer people? Any like action items or anything like that?
0: Ooh, that's a really, really good question. Um, I would say just maybe get more in tune with what people are currently doing on your site. Those are some of the quickest fixes. So where are most people exiting your site and why? You know, Where do you see most people coming into your site and what's the bounce rate on that? Are people finding what they're looking for or do you think that they're going elsewhere? So really just trying to, again, I know it all comes back to sort of that user experience, but it's so true. We want to work to just provide the best solid experience for your users so that not only do that does that keep them coming back, but it really starts to solidify you as sort of this expert authority in your field. And I think if you're moving efforts and you really want to fire up anything SEO, to do major major resor- research and to provide kick-ass content pieces that will naturally get hundreds of links. My favorite example, and I don't even think this page is like working properly, but my favorite example is Sierra Interactive. Will Reynolds created this page, How Companies Make Money. And it's maybe the top 100 or 200 tech companies. And it's a really cool interactive page where you click on Google and you see the different ways Google's making money. And then there's a filter at the top. And you can filter, show me tech companies that make money by advertising. And it will filter the results. That one piece of content, which I know did take them a little while, got them over 6,000 links and just continues to provide... Oh crap. Yeah. So the content marketing aspect of SEO and digital marketing in general is such a fascinating field. Uh, And that's, that's why before we kind of started this interview, I was asking about Ryan Holiday and his, you know, his coworker that you had interviewed because Ryan Holiday has a great book on, it's called Trust Me, I'm Lying. And it's this idea of sort of, you know, you influence the influencers to get things pushed through to the media and you can start to manipulate things. And you can do the same thing really ethically and for your business via really high quality content. So to take a step back and to think of you know, how can you provi- provide some piece of content that is so kick-ass that everyone will want to link to it. They're going to want to share it. They're going to want to reference it. And to just spend more of your time creating high quality pieces of content instead of you know high qu- quantity right in instead
1: of gaming the system yeah it's yeah. like it, yeah. it'd be like tricking someone to falling in love with you or something it's like yeah. then the entire rest <laughs> of your life you're like waiting for them to just dump you you're like waiting for the rug to be pulled out <laughs> from under you as opposed to just like actually getting someone to fall in love with you and feeling comfortable with your relationship
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> cool um Brittany Man, this has been so fascinating. You are like, I can't believe what a great person you were to talk uh, to about this. This has been so great. Um, And I'm going to start definitely working on a lot of this stuff. I will uh, let you know how it all goes on my end. And I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this will do a similar thing. So where can people find you so we can email you about our progress on what we're doing?
0: Yeah, definitely. You can email me at... Brittany at Moz.com. And it's just B-R-I-T-N-E-Y. And you can also find me on Twitter, Brittany Muller, B-R-I-T-N-E-Y-M-U-L-L-E-R. Um, those are kind of the two two best places to reach me. But yeah, I'd love to hear your progress and how things are going. And I'd love to keep bugging you about little stuff on your site or ideas for you to get links for for this podcast, because I think it's awesome. And there's all sorts of things you could do to to get
1: those Brittany, any help you want to provide i am like <laughs> all ears that would be so awesome uh this has been so great thank you so much bernie of
0: course thank you so much blake it was an honor to be on here
1: hey everyone it's blake i hope you all enjoyed the episode if you did i would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on itunes I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.